Hey. Hey. What? Hey, y'all. Welcome back to another episode of Gumbo. I'm here. My name is John. I'm Dugo. We are here with more fancy football content for your head tops. Uh, we got a laundry list of stuff that we want to get to talking to you guys about. Uh, we're going to have an honest conversation uh, amongst ourselves. Mm-hmm. Dugo, there's some shit that I know we kind of talked about in a, what we call, I guess, a pre-pro, pre-production. Sure. We started talking about some of the scoops that we've been coming across as far as uh, like mock drafts have been going. Facts. So, you know, those players who are going in the fifth round, sixth round, seventh round, that are going in the middle of drafts but have... You know, that upside to possibly boost you towards a fantasy football championship. Absolutely, dude. That's what it's all about. That's why we're all here, right? I, that's why we are making the show. That's literally all we do. And so there's a couple things I wanted to, or a couple people I wanted to talk about. Uh, but the first one is going to be uh, Mike Williams on the San Diego Chargers. Oh, dude. A fucking stud. So Mike Williams is going somewhere around like that sixth round. Um, around that six roundish ADP, and me personally, knowing how he finished last year and the impact he had within that offense, to be honest, I kind of see them handing the primary receiver trophy over to Mike Williams as Keenan Allen gets older and older. Right now, he's going in the sixth or seventh round. It seems to be way too late for his level of production from 2021. Uh, Dugo, I guess. How do you feel about Mike Williams? Well, dude, I actually love the guy. And so one of the reasons might be, but in my latest mock draft, I uh, I actually took Justin Herbert in the three. Oh, okay. Um, And so, I, I, you know, like, obviously, like, when you're mocking, like, you got to see, like, who's kind of getting, like, who else is around, not just, like, the top fucking person, you know? And so what I did is I actually, I took Mike Williams in the four. Just so I can have that matchup, you know? Like, if Mike Williams is going to pop off, obviously mm-hmm. so is Justin Herbert. So, like, I kind of tried to uh, duo it up like yeah, that. For sure. And, man, so I I really like him. I took him in the four, like I said. Uh, in the just, in the, just in this mock. But, I mean, I I think he's a lock at five, dude. Especially, like, I feel like once more people start doing more mocks. Yeah. Or just drafting in general. Once we get closer to September when we actually start doing drafts. I, yeah, I think he's going to be more of, like, a fifth round. I, I just think he has so much upside, and obviously he does have Keenan Allen, which that's kind of crazy, kind of trash. Keenan Allen takes away some targets, but at the same time, he's also getting older. Right, and it seems like Justin Herbert and Mike Williams do have a great connection, plus Mike Williams just got paid. So obviously the head coach knows that, the offensive coordinator knows that, so they got to get him involved. Three years, 60 mil, 40 guaranteed. Yeah, dude. So he's going to be there for a bit, and Justin Herbert is going to love him. He already does. Yep. So, man, I really like Mike Williams. I don't know. I like him a lot, too. I think that his current ADP of going in the sixth round, uh, fifth, sixth round, is a little low. And uh, right now, he's a good buy. Outside of Mike Williams, there's a couple other guys we actually made a list. Brees Hall is somebody who is going extremely, extremely, extremely cheap uh, for his potential right now in, uh, in, in, in mock drafts from what I'm seeing. I, I kind of disagree. I mean, I think he's going about where he should be right now. At like the end of the third, beginning of the fourth, I honestly think that that's his true value just because he has that handcuff with Michael Carter. And I feel like people are sleeping on that, dude. Like, Michael yeah. Carter's been in that system already. He's going to feel comfortable 
And I think that adding adding Brees Hall, it takes away some of his, you know, performance ability because he's not going to see the amount of carries. He's not going to see the amount of pass catches that he would regularly see without Brees Hall in that offense. Yep. But nonetheless, dude, like last year he was already fighting with two mm-hmm. other running backs to get to get his playing time and to get on the field. So with Ty Johnson, Tyvin Coleman, they're on the roster, but by the end of training camp, I think those two are going to be gone. Like, they have these two workhorses now with Michael Carter and Brees Hall. I think either one of them is gone or they're both gone with Tyvin Coleman, Ty Johnson. That's just kind of how I feel, man. And so with that, I just don't see Brees Hall as, like, a second-round running back this year. I really don't. Mm-hmm. Like, I just think with that handcuff, with a prominent handcuff like that, and in an offense that, as of right now, isn't super, super productive, Yeah, I, I don't know how much they're going to be running the ball. Maybe they're going to be passing a shit ton. I mean, they did just get a uh, Garrett Wilson, so maybe they're playing to air it out, and obviously Brees Hall is a great backup, backup plan when you can run the ball. But shit, dude! Like, obviously, he's gonna be fighting with Michael Carter to get his touches. So I yeah. just, and I, I don't know how I feel about him being a uh, early third or a second round running back at all. Yeah. So I know that right now, Brees Hall, he's kind of. I mean, he's new to the league. He's a rookie. You never know what to expect from a rookie, right? You, you got to see it to believe it. But the thing about Brees Hall that I do like is the fact that he's stepping into a situation where he has the draft capital. He has the size. He has all the ability in the world to be a good running back. Yeah. Right now, he's probably projected to be something like RB three, a flex play, which is why he's going in the third round, the fourth round. Uh, but Brees Hall does have the potential. You know, you know, uh, Michael Carter got hurt for any reason. Right. Brees Hall automatically becomes the top ten, top five borderline running back. Yep. So like, uh, with his with the fact that he's getting used. And the fact that he has game-breaking ability, and he has workhorse upside, I believe that um, if you draft like I do, and you try to keep it as safe as possible in the first round and the second round, in the third round or the fourth round, you can kind of take those swings. And worst case, you'll get you know RB3 production from uh, Brees Hall, low-end RB2 production from Brees Hall. But if he does what he's supposed to do and you start to get towards uh, the playoffs in the end of the season, you can see Brees Hall take that step up in his career as a running back and he can start producing RB1 numbers for you on a week-to-week basis during the most crucial time of the year. Yeah, man. I I mean, I'm not saying that he's not going to be viable or anything like that. Don't get me wrong. I just think that with the handcuff, it just takes away some of his value, and so I'm not really feeling taking him in the third or late third or early fourth. Yeah. Like I mean, that's where his value could be, and I don't, I don't mind it. But just there's no way he's gonna be going in the second, man. Like I just don't see that happening at all. Yeah. Like so, yeah. Like if you have, like if you are in need of a running back, like you had said, like if you've taken two wide receivers. And you you need to take a swing on a running back, and he's still there. Like mm-hmm. he could be your guy, but mm-hmm. I mean, Michael Carter didn't end up being like a big flash last year. Like he was viable, but mm-hmm. you know, like he wasn't anything that you wanted to start every week. Like he, yeah. he wasn't always putting up starter numbers, but every once in a while he'd pop off. Mm-hmm. Speaking, or I guess speaking of like those running backs who are in uh, committees. Yeah, uh, Kenneth Gainwell is another guy that we were talking about uh, right before the show. 
And we were talking about how Kenneth Gainwell has that potential to be the path catching back for the Eagles. Yeah, And man. step in and, you know what I'm saying, like, make a difference. Be somebody who could be productive. Mm-hmm. If you guys checked out our YouTube channel, go check us out at Gumbo on YouTube. Uh, we made a video about Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard and how we predict they perform this year. Right. Uh, we talked about how we thought Tony Pollard could be a viable RB2, potentially. Mm-hmm. You made a good point, man. You were like, if Tony Pollard could be an RB2... Why can't Kenneth Gainwell? Right. I mean, I kind of see those guys. I mean, the way that the Cowboys are saying that they want to utilize Tony Pollard as more of like a slot, or they want to utilize him mm-hmm. in the slot. Mm-hmm. If you look at what uh, Sirianni did with Kenneth Gainwell, like he had him out in the slot and like he'd motion him. He was a total dual yep. threat running back in that system. Yeah, he did it and all. So last year with him fighting as well to get his reps in as a rookie. I think mm-hmm. this guy is primed to be a, an RB2 on this team this year. Mm-hmm. And in your fantasy, he could end up being like an RB3, I think. Last year alone, he ended up being uh, RB42. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think he, I think he's primed to do it, dude. I mm-hmm. think this year he's going to be a viable running back for your league. And I'm not sure what your thoughts are, but I think with what the track record is right now, Sirianni being the number one rushing yard offense second overall in rushing attempts and then obviously first in rushing touchdowns if you want to try to uh, emulate those numbers again next year obviously they added AJ Brown but bro like they gonna run the ball and yeah. kind of game is gonna be there to take touches to be that you know Swiss Army knife that Sirianni wants do you worry about Boston Scott and Miles Sanders and the new guy, Kennedy Brooks, that they brought in as an undrafted free agent? Not necessarily. I think Miles is going to be the RB1, but I think at the end of the year, you're going to see Kenneth Gainwell probably be more productive. Yeah. Like, I just think in the situations that he can be in, because he's not always going to be like the downhill running back that Miles Sanders will be. Mm-hmm. But, like I said before, like his pass catching abilities, his ability to be used in motion and even get jet sweeps. Like, the guy will get yards for you, and he's not afraid to go through contact even at 5'9", 200 pounds. Yeah. Like, the guy is a fucking freak, and he's ready to hit people. He's also, I, th- I want to say he led that team in touchdowns last year. I want to say. He damn near could have, dude, but what I'm alluding to, man. No, is, he didn't actually. It was Boston Scott, I think. Regardless, dude, I was still able to get Kenneth Gainwell in this mock draft at the 10-9, so... That's a good value. It's extremely good value, especially if you think he's going to have the upside like I do. Obviously, I could be speaking out of my ass, but if you're looking at the writing on the wall on the Eagles, Mm -hmm. especially at the running back room, this guy could really do it. What round is he going in? I got him in the 10. So, by that time, by the time you get to the 10th round, you've probably drafted a quarterback or you're getting ready to draft a quarterback. I'm assuming by then you've drafted at least two to three running backs, probably three receivers and a tight end. So in total, that's about eight to nine players. Right. At this point, you're just looking for guys who can step in and be productive a few weeks a year. Right. Kenneth Gamewell has that upside. He has all the ability to do that. He has damn near the ability to be a flex for you if he is actually seeing that uh, target share. Like, And I think he will. Like, I think he'll at least see like a eight or nine percent target share for real and just for like our listeners out there who might just be getting into fantasy football 
So when we discuss things like players who are sleepers, players who are steals, or players who are getting drafted too high, we base that off of where they're projected to go during the draft. And so understanding your league, understanding how people draft, but understanding what's necessary is one of the most important things you can do. And what I mean by that is kind of having an understanding of how many points you need out of a position um, when you go into the draft room and you're picking your guy to fill that role. Mm -hmm. And so... Once again, in reference to Kenneth Gainwell, you're drafting him in the ninth or the 10th or the 11th round. At that point, you're not looking for him to be an every-week starter. You right. just need a guy who can come in, give you double digits some weeks when he starts. Uh, he has that uh, you know, handcuff ability to step into an RB1 role mm-hmm. you know, during the case of injury. And for what you're getting out of him on a weekly basis, I mean, he's a steal. And that's a great ADP to go and get him. And I think if you're getting Kenneth Gainwell in the 10th round... Uh, you're doing your fantasy team uh, a big service, you know? Absolutely, so. man. Yeah, I, I like the guy. I'm excited to see what he does this year for the Eagles. Mm-hmm. And another guy who's gone, I mean, I don't want to say like 10th round, but maybe a little bit earlier. He's someone that we were looking at tape on. He plays for the same team as Kenneth Gainwell. Mm-hmm. He's a freak of nature. He is the tight end Dallas Goddard. He's going right now, I believe, in the 7th or 8th round for a lot of 12-team mock drafts. Yeah. The first thing that steps out to me about Dallas Goddard is his yak ability. Absolutely, dude. Yeah, he's a, like, he, he's a matchup that is just waiting to get exposed. He's He seems like he's stronger than the linebackers. He's mm-hmm. obviously bigger than every fucking safety. Mm-hmm. Like, the guy is just primed to be... A headache for defenses and the way that Sirianni is utilizing him to you know obviously if they're running a bunch you can utilize this guy and play action he's such a big body for Jalen Hurts that you can't miss him mm-hmm. you know like this guy is just the best target I think on that team yep. and this year I think he ended as the 10 last year I think that this guy is primed to be a top five tight end 100% no doubt he's somebody that I like a lot too because not only does he get that yak ability, I mean, every time he catches, you know, the football, he gets touched because he's always in the middle of the field. Right. But he'll still somehow, some way, find those extra five to ten yards, right? Mm-hmm. So he creates yards on his own. Another thing I like about him is he has solid hands. He looks like a big ass receiver. He doesn't look like a tight end. Right, man. But he's still he's six five and two fifty six. Like that's yeah. a body. Yeah, and you look at him on the screen and he just looks like just a tall ass ex receiver. Right, man. You well know? the crazy thing, like when you're looking at his stats from last year, he only ended with four touchdowns. Like Which that's is incredible. It's it's crazy. Like that should be eight, nine. Like yeah. I mean, when you think Dawson Knox got, like, 10 touchdowns last year, and you mm-hmm. look at Dallas Goddard, and he had four? Yep. Like, dude, like, yeah, he had 830 yards. But, you he, know, those touchdown numbers are probably going to explode this year with his utilization. Well, I can't even say he's going to be utilized a bunch more because, like we alluded to before, with the yeah. acquisition of A.J. Brown, obviously he's going to be used. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of something I want to talk about, too. Because, obviously, they're bringing in A.J. Brown. Right. And so, Dallas Goddard, last year, easily could have been regarded as the first or second primary receiving option, right? Right, yeah. You know, him and Devontae. Well, now it's him, Devontae, and A.J. Brown. Yeah. A.J. Brown is lining up in that receiver in that receiver set. Yeah. Taking up one side of the field, and they're going to have to damn near double him because he's A.J. Brown. Yeah. Devontae Smith is going into his second year. Yep. They signed Zach Paschal. 
from the Colts, yeah. who's a very capable wide receiver three. Absolutely. Kenneth Gainwell in the backfield. Dallas Goddard's going to have so much more space this year. Mm-hmm. As opposed to him having to face those safeties who were over the top or, you know, having them slot their CB2 into the slot role and, you know what I'm saying, guarding them that way. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to dedicate their two best cornerbacks to the outside of the formations. And right. Dallas Goddard's going to have even more uh, mismatches against, you know, linebackers without safety help. Exactly. And right? to think that a linebacker, or there's some linebackers that could definitely chase him down and tackle him. I mean, For sure. There's a select few. But, but when you look at 32 or 31 other teams, and you look at how many linebackers are out there that can tackle this guy. Yep. I'm sorry, but that, like we are saying, this is a matchup that you need on your team. And the fact that he's going in the seventh. Yep. Bro, take him in the sixth. Take him in the fifth. Like, this guy is going to be worth it. He has so much upside that I'm surprised not enough or a lot of other people are really talking about, you know? Right, man. I mean, I'm a I'm a huge tight end guy. Like, every year, like, I'll always end up like TJ Hawkinson or something like that. Yeah. I really like my tight ends because yeah. fantasy football, dude, those unknown points that you yeah. can get. Like, yeah, you always expect your wide receivers, your running backs to pop off, but, like, Seems like everyone always just takes chances on tight ends, but you, if you can secure that position, bro, your team is locked in to go to the playoffs, and then if you're good enough, get to the championship. And it's all with good tight ends. So take Dallas Goddard. Don't let him go to the fucking seventh. Take him in the sixth. Take him in the fifth if you need. Mm-hmm. But I think this guy is just waiting to pop off, dude. Yep, and you know, like you were mentioning earlier, tight end might be the most significant positional advantage in fantasy football. Like, there's only five or six good tight ends, and the rest are kind of mid. Exactly, and yeah, I mean, like, even Dallas Goddard last year being a tight end 10, Mm -hmm. to your team, that's still immense full health. Like, that's immense. Like, the, the upside to that, like, you can't replace that. You, you could look at your wide receivers and you could have, like, uh, you know, the 10. And if you look at the 15th, like, that's not a huge drop-off mm-hmm. compared to tight end 10 to t- tight end 15. For sure. So, bro, like, yeah, invest in your fucking tight ends, guys. Don't be fucking dumbasses. Yeah. And just before we leave that subject, I want to kind of give you guys the difference in that. But having, uh, let's say, a top five tight end mm-hmm. compared to having tight end 10 or 11 it's probably the difference between a couple points a week right and how it averages out but having that player who can go out and get you 13 14 15 points on a damn near weekly basis mm-hmm. assuming you can get him at the value that you get in a dallas guided at to where you can still draft relevant good uh productive receivers and right. six seven rounds beforehand yeah, you could still get, like... You're getting a steal of a tight end after you've already, like, stacked the decks in your favor in terms of positional players, in, right. terms, of, in terms of running backs and receivers. Yeah, I mean, if you were to take, uh, you know, like we are saying, a Dallas Goddard in, like, the 6th, 5th, and you're just like, oh, but I usually take, like, my wide receiver there. Dude, you still got sure. fucking Christian Kirk, who's going to be the wide receiver one on that team, yeah. available, and people are taking him in the 8th. Mm-hmm. Like, bro, just take a chance on a motherfucker and make sure that you invest in a motherfucking tight end. Would you take a chance on Devontae Smith, same team, uh, where he's going currently in his ADPs? So I know Devontae Smith is going around, like, 
Rel- I mean, roughly around where Dallas Goddard's actually going. Right. To give you, um, I mean, some sort of notice, like, in the mock draft, in my latest mock draft, okay. Devontae Smith went 6-14. Okay. And Dallas Goddard went 7-2, so literally just two picks yeah. before. I uh, I see more value of Dallas Goddard, 100%. Uh-huh. And so... I like the touchdown potential with Dallas Goddard more. 100%. Well, it's not even that. I just think... When you add a uh, AJ Brown, like Devontae Smith was basically the wide receiver one on that team last year, and basically. I would say AJ Brown's going to be the wide receiver one for sure. So I think he's going to see a little bit of a decrease in points. I honestly do. Like I think he might be more productive with his work, but I think he's going to see less catches. Yeah, and. You know, maybe they mismatch him and he's able to, you know, go do his thing like he was able to do in Alabama and, mm-hmm. you know, fucking be a Heisman winner. Like, people forget that. Like, he was a Heisman winner. He's dynamic as can be. I just think right now, especially with the acquisition that they had, I just think he's going to take a little bit of a bump and, uh, and, and to, you know, to, and his points. To be honest, I like Dallas Goddard more than I like the other two pass catchers in Philadelphia. Hundred percent, dude. That in, that includes AJ Brown simply because I'm getting Dallas Goddard at a much more appropriate ADP. Yeah, dude. I don't know how the fuck people are taking AJ Brown at the end of the second. Honestly, I that's just, insane. I don't like that. That's 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 insane. And so that's the thing about Devontae Smith is the fact that that offense doesn't pass a lot as it is. They already got a ton of good pass catchers when we talk about Kenneth Gainwell, when you talk about Dallas Goddard, when you talk about, you know, obviously A.J. Brown is there now. So, uh, I don't see them severely shifting their philosophy enough to go ahead and just create the additional targets that Devontae Smith would need to be relevant. Right. Right? Like, he was the one last year. He wasn't game breaking he wasn't super like, he would have like his games like I, I had him last year in our uh, redraft league yeah and the guy was just inconsistent like he would have games where he'd get like 15 16 points yep <coughs> so he... but then the next week he'd get like four five six like he just wouldn't see those targets you know but yeah. it's because they are a running team mm-hmm. and I just think that like you're saying, dude, like when you have all those other primary primo ca- pass catchers and you have a Dallas Goddard, you have A.J. Brown, dude, like you still got to feed Miles Sanders the ball too. For sure. I forgot about Miles Sanders. Like that team's loaded and it's just going to be hard to get everyone the target share that they want. Yeah. But to be honest, I think one of the people that obviously are going to be seeing that uh, uptick in production though. Kenneth Gainwell. Mm-hmm. I just think he's too dynamic. Mm-hmm. The dual threat ability for him is crazy. So, just in reference to the past game, last year Jalen Hurts played in 15 games. In 15 games, Jalen Hurts had 265 completions, right? Yeah. So, the math on that is essentially in every game he played, he, you know, 16, 17 catches. Yeah. From his receiving core. Devontae Smith has the one last year, ended as wide receiver 29, and the 81st most productive player in fantasy. Mm-hmm. Now that you add A.J. Brown coming in eating up his targets, yep. now that you obviously are going to involve Miles Sanders more, yep. Kenneth Gainwell more, Dallas Goddard more, Zach Pascal, Zach Pascal, 
I don't even see Devontae Smith being a top 100 fantasy player. I think he slips from 81 to maybe a little past 100. I can see him being in, like, the 90s. Yeah. But But even if you're a 90 in a 12-team league, per se, you know what I'm saying? I I wouldn't feel comfortable driving him until after the eighth round. That's fair. I I respect that. Yeah. But him going in the sixth and seventh seems a little too early for my blood, but that's me. I know you kind of feel how you feel about him. Yeah, man. I, I think he could be a fantasy asset, but... Yeah, not the sixth round, bro. Not the sixth, seventh. I don't know if I'd take him in the eighth. Like, nine is probably... Better. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm comfortable. I could see the upside for eight. I mean, Mm -hmm. obviously, he's a first-round wide receiver. He's going to see his stuff. He's Mm going to get his uh, catches. He's going to be that man. Mm -hmm. But, bro, you keep saying A.J. Brown into the mix now. Yep. I mean, you have... Dallas Goddard, dude. Dude, he's a beast, bro. We're both really, really excited for Dallas Goddard and what he's going to do this year. Especially, yeah, if they can't key down on him. Like, even if they do double him, then they're screwing themselves with leaving Devontae Smith one-on-one or A.J. Brown one-on-one. Yeah. Like, which one would you rather do? I don't know. It's a toss-up, and I think that they're going to leave Dallas Goddard just because he's typically more in the middle of the field. They're drawn coverage. Like, you don't, you can only have so many DBs in the field, right? Yeah. So, now that you have A.J. Brown on one side and you have Devontae Smith on the other side, another first-round receiver. Yep. They're both going to draw coverages to the outside of the, of the sets, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's where you're going to have your safety over top, either on the left side or the right side. Um, whatever. You're, you're drawing all your uh, DBs and pass defenders to the side of the fields. Right. Dallas Goddard's going to have so much more space in the middle to work. Facts. As a 6'5", 230 whatever pound. 256. 256 pound. Fucking just X receiver playing tight end. Bohemoth. Bro is going to get past the DE. He's going to get past the linebacker with ease. And he's going to have a lot of uh, 10, 15, 20 yard catches throughout the season. 100% dude. And I mean, the thing that you said, like when we were doing, like when we were watching film on him earlier... You just kept saying how much you like his yak. Yeah. And if he doesn't have those DBs around him again this year, dude, that yak is going to go up. Like mm-hmm. he, He's not going to go down easier. He, he might because he's going against linebackers. Nah, but, dude. I think he can run past. Like we were saying, I think he can run past most Yeah, he can guys. get past that second level probably better than 95% of tight ends. Yeah. Like he is legitimately a receiver. He looks like it. But um, he is definitely somebody that I'm really – I think the more we talk about the Eagles, the more we both kind of realize we're on the same page with Dallas Goddard. Yeah, man. And um, that's uh, that's all good and dandy. Uh, Dallas Goddard is somebody that I think you need to get your hands on. That's enough about that. We'll do more videos on the Eagles. Check us out on YouTube once again at the Gumbo page. Facts. Uh, the next thing I want to talk about was actually uh, tiering of receivers. Oh. So I wanted to talk about uh, a certain wide receiver who is receiving a lot of love. For sure. And I want to know if it's justified. Who are you talking about, bro? I want to talk about Debo Samuel. Okay. And the fact that I think that he's kind of overrated. That's fire in the boost, my guy! That's fire in the boost, my guy! It depends. If he's going to be running the ball again this year... If he's able to do that and if he's willing to do that, I think he has all the possibilities to be in the first round. 
Mm-hmm. But right now, with his typical ADP, he's going around the mid-second. Yeah. Just because I think everyone just kind of assumes he's just going to be a straight wide receiver this year. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, yeah. the guy is a slant god. He's a slant god. Yeah. Then, yeah. It, like, he is... Like, there's a reason why, like, he's as shifty as he is and they wanted to utilize him as a running back. Yeah. It's because he can do that same shift from a wide receiver position 10 uh-huh. yards away. Yeah. And the mm-hmm. fact that he's able to do everything he can and the fact that yeah. he'll plow over a motherfucking cornerback or a safety. He's like, aggressive. He's a big dude. He doesn't care about any of that stuff, bro. Debo. And so, with that, I think that he's warranted to be where he is at the middle of the second. Yeah. But honestly, if someone wanted to take him in, like, it's a toss up if I would take him between or before CD Lamb or not. Like, I'm not sure. Uh-huh. Like, that's a hard decision, but I think I would take Tyree Kill or shit, dude. Even Tyree Kill right now is a toss up for me. I don't know if I would take Tyree Kill before Debo, but I know I would take Stefan Diggs before Debo for sure. You know what? I'm going to probably have to say I'd take CD over Debo. That's fair, and, and I that's so that's uh, understandable. But what would you do about with a uh, Tyreek and Debo though? I would prefer not to have either. Um, but I mean, I guess I'd probably have to go Debo in that case. Okay. So the my my thing with Debo is the fact that he is he had a magical year last year. Yeah. He was used with D- Jimmy Garoppolo, and he was used as a running back as a receiver. He was used in so many different packages in so many different ways. Right. And he got so much usage. For sure, dude. I do not think that his contract disputes with the Niners is going to help anything, primarily because rumor has it that he doesn't want to be used like a running back as much anymore this year, mm-hmm. which contributed to his you know crazy season he had last year. Right. Uh, but also, man, like if you saw the way he was used last year, the Niners kind of put that whole offense in his basket. Basically, yeah. If uh, he was the catalyst for that offense, and now, you know, obviously he's been unhappy. He's been, you know, uh, vocally unhappy. He's talked about it now. And I think that the Niners don't want to leave all their eggs in that basket anymore. So they're going to start sharing the love, showing that other people can contribute, see what Jawan Jennings can do, see what Brandon Ayuk can do, see what George Kittle still has in the tank. I don't think Debo Samuel gets that same level of usage that he got in 2021. No, for sure, but I mean, if you look at where he was in 2021, mm-hmm. and if you could have projected what he did, I would say he would have been a top five pick. So I'm just saying, with him going third, or how many picks is that? That's like 17 picks later in this year, just based off of his pass catching ability, I think that's all right. Yeah, the thing about him is that if... I'm going to hypothetically take out his rushing ability and his rushing usage. Okay. And I'm just going to leave it all in the, you know, he's a receiver uh, bag. Right. Without that same level of usage, I don't see him finishing where he finished last year. I think he drops. I think he's still a, like a nice wide receiver too. Okay. I think that Debo is a nice wide receiver too, but I'm not trying to draft a nice wide receiver too at the beginning or the middle of the second round. I'm either getting an RB1 or a wide receiver one there, right? Yeah, I mean, if people are available, I mean, it's just kind of hard. I mean, you could take ones, but are they going to really be as I don't, I don't, like as productive? Really, I, I just I really feel like Debo isn't going to slide past the top 10 in wide receivers. 
I think he's going to be a top 10. I really do. Yeah. And then obviously you're bringing in Trey Lance. I don't know what to expect from that offense going forward, but I know it's going to change a little bit. Mm-hmm. He seems a little bit too rich for my blood. I could see him performing, but I don't I don't see my man doing what he did last year. Therefore, I can't put him in the same bucket as uh, other guys like a Jamar Chase. Um, well, I mean, Jamar Chase is going 1-8 right now. That's at least where I'm seeing him. Keenan Allen, Mike Evans. Like, I think if it's Mike Evans or Debo, I got to go Mike Evans because I know what he's going to do at quarter at receiver with Brady and there's no Godwin and... I, I don't know, man. I I like Debo as a player, but I think what he did last year was an anomaly, and um, I don't know if I have if I have the wherewithal to go ahead and take him in the second round. That's fair, man. Like I understand your reserves on him. Like I really do, especially like like you keep saying if he's not going to be like uh, part of like the running scheme or anything, then mm-hmm. obviously his value does drop immensely. But I just mm-hmm. think that. I don't think that's all going to go away. Mm-hmm. Like, he's definitely going to get some jet sweeps, and he's definitely going to be having the ball in his hand a lot. I just think that with Trey Lance, to get him acclimated to the offense, you have to make it as easy as possible. And obviously, he's boys with Ayuk, but I just think that Debo is, like you said, he was the catalyst on the offense last year, and he's. I think he's going to do it again this year. Let me do some either-ors with you, just a couple. Right, cool. I'm going to do Debo, and then I'm going to list a list of players. Sounds good. I'm asking you, who would you rather have in fantasy football? Would you rather have Debo Samuel or CeeDee Lamb? Um, I'd probably go CeeDee Lamb as okay. of right now, just because of the pass or the passing uh, ability of the Cowboys. Like they, They're like the number one passing offense every fucking year. So okay. probably give me CeeDee Lamb because he's the one there. Would you rather have Debo Samuel or Keenan Allen? I go with uh, Debo with that one just because uh, Keenan Allen has Mike Williams eaten off him. So I just think that Debo Samuel at the end of the year is going to be a better fantasy asset. Would you rather have Debo Samuels or Mike Evans? That's a tough one, honestly. That's tougher than Keenan Allen. Um, but I would probably still go with Debo just because uh, Keenan Allen going to be eaten off him. So. Whoa, calm whoa, down, whoa, Jamal. Whoa, whoa. Don't pull out the nine. Alright, and Debo Samuel or Tyreek Hill? Uh, give me Debo, just because I don't like the... I, I'm i a little scared about Tua. And so, if he doesn't pan out, obviously Teddy Bridgewater has been a proven backup and he can go in and do the job. Mm-hmm. But with them having Jalen Waddle as well, and Mike Kosicki, all those other weapons. Uh, they even added uh, Cedric Wilson, who was a really good wide receiver on the Cowboys last year that I thought was kind of one of those unsung heroes for them. Yeah. But yeah, man, just with all those premium pass catchers that they have now, I think Tyreek Hill hasn't really been surrounded around a lot of uh, weapons like that before. Obviously, he had the fight against uh, Travis Kelsey. Yeah. He had Sammy Watkins there for a couple years, which you can decide that yourself. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, he's always been the proven one. And now... I mean, obviously, Cedric Wilson isn't fighting for the one at all, but motherfucker, Jalen Waddle is. I don't think you have any idea how fast I really am. I'm fast as fuck, boy. <laughs> like, he's a really good wide receiver. He was a first-round wide receiver coming out of Bama. Everyone knows about Bama. So, when you look at, especially the upside for fantasy, 
I got to give it to Debo. Yeah, I like that. See, Debo is one of those guys to where he's going to be getting drafted in the in the realm of all those players that we just mentioned. Right. And so, I think I agreed with most of those. I would, I would definitely take Mike Evans over Debo. I would definitely take CD over Debo. I would take Debo over Tyreek just because I don't like the Dolphin situation. For sure. But I would take Keenan Allen over Debo as well. Okay. You know, I guess we'll have to kind of wait and see how he's utilized this year. We know that Kyle Shanahan has got to be one of the most pettiest head coaches of all time. Right. And uh, there's just... Most of my reasons for not enjoying or liking Debo as much as maybe he's performed last year, a lot of it just has to do with shit that I don't know anything about. And that's in regards to, like, you know, like politics and... Uh, what we assume is going to happen in the locker room and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. He could go out there and be used the same way he was last year, and they could just go out there and produce. For sure. But uh, just me kind of thinking about, I guess, just the human element, uh, egos, people, I don't see him getting the opportunity to do what he did last year. But that's just me and all of my weird-ass theories. Uh, we appreciate y'all for tapping in. Uh, we are cutting it up now, so... What's happening with y'all next week? Make sure you go and follow us here on Spotify and Apple. Go ahead and click that follow button so you can stay up to date with all of our latest postings. Go to YouTube, look us up by Gumbo, where we do additional content on uh, just specific players. Appreciate y'all for tapping in. My name is John. I'm Google. Hey. Oh, y'all,